Hello and welcome to Wellbeing. I'm Dr Virginia Reid. Recently in the Sydney Morning Herald on a Thursday, they had a fascinating article about uh, uncanny canines, that is dogs, who uh, can detect when their owners are about to have an epileptic seizure. Uh, totally captivated by this, I have now contacted the association from which that dog came and it is quite a service and quite a fascinating thing for people to create. I have with me Diana Cooper from the Australian Support Dogs Incorporated. Diana, welcome to Wellbeing. Hello, Virginia. What led you to training under these circumstances? Have you always been a dog trainer? Oh, yes. It's a long story. I started off watching sheep dog trials in New Zealand, being fascinated by dog training. As soon as I was able to in Australia, I got my own dog. I competed in obedience trials, did very well, actually. And then I became instructor of a dog training club. I did a judge's course in obedience, and I always thought there was a better way to train dogs, which was very gentle methods, using positive uh, methods of training, food rewards, game rewards, stroking rewards, anything the dog likes. So the dog works with you and enjoys it. And I was working as uh, chief instructor of a dog training club when I met Peter Bennett. Peter Bennett is in a wheelchair, he's a tetraplegic, and he was working with his German Shepherd Kutcher. We got talking, we, Peter was in my class, and a few years after that, he was looking for a director of training for his association, Australian Support Dogs Incorporated, which is a registered charity, and he asked me if I'd like to be the director of training. So, of course, I jumped at it. Mm. And how long ago has, was it established? Australian Support Dogs was established, I think it was 1998. Okay, so relatively recently, say, compared to the Guide Dogs. Oh, yes, Guide Dogs is a well-known institution. Yes. It's done a lot of the groundwork for us, thankfully. So this is dogs for people with disabilities? Dogs, uh, we train dogs for people with physical disabilities. Uh, they might be people with severe arthritis, people with impaired balance, people who have had... Um, traumas, maybe put them in a wheelchair, uh, people who have um, conditions such as Frederick's ataxia, multiple sclerosis, anything that impairs movement and strength, really. And as a byline, we got them to seizure alert dogs. Right, the seizure alert dogs. Now, you, how many of these dogs have you already trained? How many dogs are out there? Working for people with a physical disabilities, yes. a very small organisation, there yes. are about 10 dogs out there now. At, at the moment, okay. Yes. And is that because it's difficult to do or simply because the idea is just starting to take off? Uh, both of those. Right. It's actually got to a stage now where we are looking for a new position to, and the person who will do it is going to be able to uh, let, us, let us be known. We're actually not known very much in the community. People just don't know about these dogs. No. And yes, it's, that's a main thing, one of the things. And also, too, we raise the dogs in the house. There's a lot of opportunity training. The dogs are used to a home environment and they transfer much, well, very readily to another home environment. And that has kept us small. We don't have our own training grounds at the moment. So basically, it's everything funding, uh, awareness. Yes, it's yeah. in its infancy. It's in its puppyhood. <laughs> exactly, yes. And what has been some of the results that you've seen when the dogs come into the lives of these people? 
well, what we do is, for example, we have the dogs, they come to us, and when they go out to the people, it's a very intense training course. And the people are taught to be actually dog trainers and to be able to not just process the dogs through the tasks they have been taught during the training with a uh, dog trainer, but to be able to teach the dog new tasks. At first, they're very overwhelmed, as you would be, hmm. very worried. But once they start being successful and understanding the theories, then they become very confident. They get a lot more confidence, and that's the biggest thing we have noticed so okay. far. We so a mental shift in the people with the disability. Absolutely. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Wonderful. Because I think that's one of the things a disability does. It it causes you to lose self-confidence until you master the techniques to get around it. Yeah. Well, if you're in a wheelchair or on crutches, Mm. people only see a disability, unfortunately. Mm. And they don't really know how to talk to people. And they also tend to think that there must be some kind of mental impairment as well. I know the two are not connected, but Mm. unfortunately that is what is perceived. Mm. And when they see somebody working a dog and working a dog well, then they realise that, oh, there's something that this person is doing well. We have one particular dog, for example. Her name is Cassie, and she's a crossbred Labrador Golden Retriever, and she's working with a lady called Lisa. Now, Lisa did do a lot of things about 10 years ago, but then she lost her confidence and hadn't done anything for 10 years. Now she's going to TAFE. And what's Lisa, what was Lisa's disability? Lisa was born with cerebral palsy and right. she's in a wheelchair. Right. And she is our super brain. She's really good at the computer. Yeah. And she got her dog trained extremely well. She was able to recognise offered behaviours and take them and go with them and train the dog herself. And that's just all given her the confidence to apply for something else. And she applied for a certificate two course that she really wants to do. And she's been accepted and she's going there now. Fantastic. What do they need to do with the dog? What What do you perceive is what's happening? Is it a communication thing between themselves and the dog? Yes, it's communi- you're absolutely right there. It's communication all the way in the relationship mm-hmm. with the dog. Mm-hmm. The tasks are very complicated. When we train the dog, we train each part of each task separately and a task might have 30 different parts. The dog has been taught 30 different parts. When you work a dog through, and it sounds working, when you're helping a dog go through those tasks, you have to recognise if the dog's starting to get confused, if it needs more help, or on the other hand, if it's getting too enthusiastic and it has to be calmed down and stopped and made to think again, let's just do this calmly. So it's interacting with the dog the whole way, and they're absolutely in the now when they're working with the dog. Mm. And dogs are fun, and dogs are funny. And you just can't be sad with them. And, yes, you can't be lost in yourself because you have to help the dog and interact with the dog the whole way. It's interesting because those are a lot of the techniques that you try to get people to use for the treatment of depression and anxiety. Very interesting. We don't even think about depression and anxiety. No, no, no. You're too busy trying (laughs) trying to get these dogs to do. And what sort of things are you trying to get them to do? Do you want me to list the tasks? Have you got the time? Absolutely. Now's a good time. We'll just go through with them. I mean, I was amazed at what you can get. I'm really tempted to just get one for this from this point of view, <laughs> listeners. Let me tell you. A child that actually does what you ask it to do. Fabulous. That would increase my confidence no end. We actually do. I wish I had known about this. Yeah, exactly. I my children. I yeah, I'm beginning to think maybe what we should do is start mummy training classes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually not so funny. The, I, I was teaching a school teacher once and I was teaching the positive reinforcement methods and you praise approximate successes and 
she went to, uh, she was brought out of school for a week, as they all were, and learning new training methods for the children or new teaching methods. And she said, guess what we learned? And I said, what? And she said, we learned everything you've been teaching me with the dog for the last six months. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and she was happier. And the outcome was more positive. You're, you're finding out what the children like. It's, yes. It's different. Because you're listening to them. Listen to exactly. Mm. You're listening to the child. Absolutely. And you're listening probably with more than just your ears. You're listening with you know, some sort of extra sense, which you do if you really get in touch with someone. Yes. Yeah. Looking to see what really interests them. Yes. Yes, what engages them. Yes, yes. Oh, amazing. So what tasks do the dogs do? <laughs> we better stick to the dogs. <laughs> the possibilities are endless. If you, the main thing is picking up articles. Now, if you are in an electric wheelchair or even a manual wheelchair, but if you, tip, if you lean over sideways, you might tip out, or if you're on crutches or any kind, if you've got arthritis, the one most frustrating and dangerous thing is not being able to pick up a dropped item. Mm. If you drop your mobile phone and you're at home by yourself, it will stay there until, if you're lucky, the carer comes maybe 12 hours later. Right. If you have an illness or something happening with you in that time, you have no access to the outside world or the help. Mm. And these and phone and people of unfortunately also have impaired hand movement and strength, so dropped items is even more common with a lot of these people than it is with us. And I know I'm not I'm able bodied and I'm still dropping things all the time. Yes. Um, so that's the main thing is they pick up items that are the, the person wants and they also train to pick up items that the person doesn't know they've dropped. I've had, um, I was training somebody with a dog and he dropped his keys unbeknownst to him. The dog picked them up and dropped them on the wheelchair beside him. The next time he came to a crossing, he stopped and the dog turned around and gave him the keys. Oh, boy. He, said, he, was, he was stunned. He said, what, what's this about? And I said, you dropped those a block ago. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Very handy. Very handy. <laughs> Very handy. Fantastic. And we know, you know, it's under couches and under cars, it's everywhere. <laughs> oh, yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and the mobile phones and keys and just important things. Right. Oh, and they'll yes. And put them on the bench, they'll put them in. So they understand of the importance of keys. Not really, no. To a human. <laughs> I just pick up everything. <laughs> oh, everything. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> when I, because I get a food reward too when I do it. Um, okay. Sometimes the dogs get a bit clever and yes. I tell people that, there won't be anything on the floor of your house, and there won't be. They'll pick up everything that's on the floor. Okay. And sometimes it's a little bit clever, and I'll go and pick something up, and you think, that wasn't on the floor. I think that was on the bed, wasn't it? Oh, yes. So, yes. Like my orthodontic, expensive orthodontic plate. <laughs> well, the dog would have gone and picked that up yes. and brought it to you and said, well, how about I swap these? Right, so they don't do what Oscar did, which was to completely munch it up. They do when they first come to you. Okay. Okay. But they're just dogs. Right. But it, we teach them it's far more fun to bring things to the person. Okay. And it becomes, they just don't do anything else eventually. They just bring everything to you. Fantastic. You're listening to Wellbeing and I'm discussing the training of dogs for people with disabilities with Diana Cooper from the Australian Support Dogs Incorporated. We've learned that the dogs can actually pick things up and, and bring them to you. Or put them somewhere where you want them to be. Oh, really? Or put them somewhere you want them to be? Yes. Fantastic. So yes. so they can actually Take put things in place. cupboards, etc. Yes, they, well, the next thing they do is they open and close cupboards. Open and close cupboards, right. And doors. Oh. And washing machines and dishwashers. Washing machines and dishwashers? Yes. 
Fantastic. So they can actually, un- do, they, do you have to have things adjusted? No, it's not, they're not that clever. <laughs> they push everything close to the nose and we teach them that as they get more confident with doing the task, um, they push it until they hear the click or the bang. Right. And how do they actually open things, though? Do they have to have special handles, uh, open special handles on doors and things? We put a tug with a knot at the end of it, and that means you can go to anybody's place and just put a scarf and tie it off the bottom of the scarf and put it on a door. We don't actually have them where they can open latches and and things like that. Right. So it's basically um, kitchen cupboards, Mm -hmm. wardrobes, all those doors that don't actually latch closed. Right. We could. Obviously, dogs can be taught with special latches on gates and doors if you want them to open and close those gates and doors. That would be one of the special tasks that we would teach a dog, if necessary, in a particular house for a particular person. Right. And so the people with the disability, you mentioned the gentleman with the epilepsy. In that particular case, we should probably describe what the dog actually does, how he's affected his life. Yes, we can do that. Okay, but do you want to quickly go through the tasks the dogs can do? So I won't describe them, I'll just go through them quickly. Okay, right, up lovely. and down stairs. Mm-hmm. They retrieve. They put items in cupboards. They retrieve crutches that are dropped. They close bins. They can either be a foot bin or with their paws on top of the bin. They give credit cards, library cards, etc. at checkouts. They assist with dressing and undressing. They assist, uh, with they dressing and undressing? Yes, they'll pull your socks off and they'll take um, jumpers off and they'll pull you know, scarves around and they'll bring items of clothing to people to, you know, if they're cold, to put across their laps and things like that. Really? Yes, and I love doing that. I'll take your socks off and they fold the socks up and bring them back to you. And oh, they do really? fold the socks. It's amazing to watch a dog. They are never taught to fold and it's amazing how they just learn to fold. Incredible. Yes, they're, just, they're so precise, they're so exact. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yes, they assist with washing clothes. Most people can get the clothes out of the front of the washing machine, mm-hmm. but they can't, if you're in a wheelchair, you can't reach the clothes at the back of the washing machine. Right. So the dogs put their heads right in there and get those items out of the back of the washing machine. Fantastic. They put them in baskets and baskets on wheels and they pull them out of the clothes. Well, I'll pull baskets anywhere with anything in them, all around the house, wraps the clothesline, whatever. Right. They open, they operate traffic light buttons. Right. They'll go and get somebody for help. They'll take something to somebody. Okay. They, they work with foot plates. They put they, if a foot comes off the foot on plate, the wheelchairs, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry, on wheelchairs. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm understanding. I know what a foot plate is. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not thinking. You're used to working with people with disabilities. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm sorry. Well, with wheelchairs. <laughs> yeah. With wheelchairs. If a foot comes off the foot plate, they'll pick it up. Either push it from underneath or pick it up if the person has shoelaces and put it back on. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people spaz them and the feet get stuck mm. off the foot plate. They open and close the foot plates, and that's for people who, want, who can still do transfers. So they might want to get out of the wheelchair or manual wheelchair into an electric wheelchair. This all gives incredible freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, transferring from a wheelchair to a car, into a taxi, vice anything really, anywhere they want to get out of that wheelchair and can't really lean over and push the foot plates up. They also uh, perform specific tasks. And they fix the phone and they're taught that if somebody falls down, they just go and get the cordless or the mobile phone without any commands. Right. So if people become unconscious, do they know what to do then? Okay. We haven't actually taught them if they're unconscious. We don't teach every dog to lie against the person's body. It doesn't always happen. Uh, that's more into the seizure alert and seizure response dog tasks. Right. What's the purpose of lying against the body? 
Okay, I may as well start from the beginning with this. Right. We, te- okay, we, we test each dog. We, every dog is trained. Primarily, we train assistance dogs for people with physical disabilities. But we also assess the dogs, and it's all very new to us, and we're not quite sure what we're looking out for yet, but we train the dogs. And when they, when they start to bond, after about three or four months, we'll test them to see if they, what happens if you actually fall down. Right. Now, some dogs will just don't even worry about it. I'll go and get your toys and bring them to you. Other dogs will be worried and they will lie down against your body. Oh. Absolutely amazing when they do it. They're just mm. like hearing. Mm. So we think, right, this dog could be a seizure response dog, if not a seizure alert dog. Seizure response dogs, if a person has a seizure or falls down, they're trained to do different responses. One of them is to lie against the body, a natural thing, but we actually train it to be more precise. We train it to them to lie there while the person goes through the movement, similar to that of a seizure. Mm. And we like them to be against the back of a person, if possible. Now, the reason for the dog lying against the person is if they against the back of the person and stops them rolling onto their back, and perhaps choking. Right. Um, some dogs find that very hard to do. They'd rather lie against the front. Yes. When a person... Also, if a person's having a seizure in public, it calms the people around them. Mm. People see the dog lying against the body and think, oh, well, this has obviously happened before. Mm, mm. We don't have to force mouth open. We don't have to rush. We don't have to panic. Mm. Um, they still call an ambulance, of course, because it means the seizure's not under control, or that condition isn't under control. However, and that... Uh, that calms the bystanders. Also, when a person's coming out of a seizure, they're very disoriented. They don't know where they are. And especially if they're somewhere where they don't know anybody or it's an unfamiliar place, the dog is there and it comforts them as they're coming out, just by being there, just by mm. having arms around the dog. Mm. The dog stays there and stays with them while they're coming out of the seizure. And it's just very reassuring. Mm. Um, the dog will also, if they have seizures themselves, don't cause any injuries, usually. Um, it's what happens as they fall down that causes the problem. Mm. Now, if the person's coming out of the seizure and they do need help, the dog has been taught to fetch the phone. Right. If they're in the house, there's a certain spot, and it could be up on a table, it could be they'll fetch it from anywhere in the house. Right, right. Um, so the dogs, I mean, in the article in the newspaper, it said that the reason that they sort of cottoned onto this was because anecdotally it was said that dogs could or behave differently before people had seizures, particularly children, I think. You know, paediatric neurologists were getting these reports that, you know, the dog was sort of pulling the child's hand and things. Yes. Is that what you've heard as well? Yes, of course I have, yes. The only thing with children is it might be because the parents are watching. Oh. It might be picked up more. I don't know. We don't know. There's so much we don't know about this yet. But what, what's the story about the dogs behaving differently before a seizure? Yes, but, um, no two dogs seem to give the same behaviour before a person has a seizure. So the person must know the dog fairly well and be fairly observant. Right. Um, some dogs, we have Cream, who lives in far north Queensland with his person Calvin. Cream will always lick Calvin's left hand before mm. he has a seizure. Right. Other dogs might whine, get turn in circles, get agitated. They might nudge the person. Right. Some dogs have been known to do completely different things, such as go and get all the toys from their toy box right. and put them in a pile. Right. It'll just be a behaviour that they don't do at any other time. Okay. And why is that good for, for Cream's owner? 
because Cream's owner now knows when he's got a seizure, he always gets about at least 10 minutes warning. Mm. If he, sh- he can get himself out of a dangerous place, mm-hmm. he can turn a pot or a pan off in, the, in every oh, hot yeah. element. Yeah, and this is what really does the damage with people with seizures, doesn't it? They get it's very, the things very that happen during the seizure that, that um, harm them physically, yeah. Mm. They can't do anything... They can't cook, they can't go out because they'll never know when they're going to have that seizure. Mm. They stress about it and stress might cause further seizures. Yes, plus it causes people to be completely housebound and completely ruins their quality of life. Absolutely, Mm. all they can use is a microwave. Mm. Mm. They can't use any heating and there is no quality of life. Mm. Mm. I think that's what was happening with Cream's owner, wasn't it? He was becoming more and more paranoid. Virtually just waiting to die himself. Right, okay, so this dog has really made a difference to his life. Calvin's working now. That's Cream's owner, right, so he's going out a lot more. Never possible before he got the dog. Yeah. I mean, there's always the possibility of averting the seizure too with medication if if the dog can give you enough warning. Yes, there is, but Mm. basically it's the calming effect, we think. Right, okay. So you've got other stories of the calming effect having an effect on the disease that's causing the disability, yes? Yes, we do, actually. (laughs) We were training a dog called Lara. She's a Labrador. She's a gorgeous dog. Um, but one time, and I don't, I've had, this is the only migraine I've had in 10 years. I have not had one in five years before or since. I uh, had a headache one day, and I was on the bed, and suddenly Lara jumped up, and she started nudging me and whining, which is not what she wanted at the time, but we never turn our dogs off for anything. There's always a reason for what they do. And about five minutes later, the headache turned into a migraine. And later on in that day, I thought about it, and I thought, no, she was warning me. She was telling me. So I rang the dog's breeder. The dog's breeder said that Lara's mother did the same thing. Mm. And so it was, it's partly hereditary, we think. Right. And I rang Lisa Todd of the Epilepsy Action Society as National Services Manager, and I told her what was happening. And we actually had Lara with somebody just for the day, and he had a seizure, and she alerted to that seizure, and she didn't even know the person. There was no bonding, and she still told us he was going to have one. Right, so certain dogs have certain sensitivities. Yes. And they don't mind letting you know about them. Whereas That's humans right. would probably keep that secret. Well, that, no, I don't know. It's just, these dogs are caring dogs. Yes. They, some dogs care a lot and some dogs don't really. Yes. She's a very caring girl. And yes. she was very worried about this man. She, she just lay there and she stared incredibly intensely for minute after minute after minute. She's what I call a healer. She's a healer. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> she probably isn't dog. at all. <laughs> You're listening to Wellbeing. I'm Dr Virginia Reid and I'm discussing the fascinating subject of dogs for disabilities with Diana Cooper. You talk about various breeds of dogs, so there's no particular... It's not like the guide dogs where the Labradors are definitely the only breed that they'll use. Guide dogs will use about 10 Labradors for every... Um, two golden, so eight Labradors for every two golden retrievers on average. Right. Assistance dogs tend to use golden retrievers and Labradors also, and we use the crosses between those two breeds. Right. The reason being is uh, because of what, how, what they were trained to do originally when they were gun dogs, when they were affecting yes. ducks and other items that have been shot down. Ah, uh, yes, but, of course. Yes. They are sound sure. Sounds don't worry them necessarily because of the guns. Mm. They're used to staying in one place for a long time. They might mm. have to wait for hours for birds to come along. And then they'll do a lot of very intense energy and they have to be quite body insensitive. Now, all of those things make the dog very calm, very safe around people and very willing to take direction. Right. So we find that those dogs are good, both with the tasks and wanting to help the person and also out in public. 
Right. And have you had instances where the dogs have not been suitable for people? People have said, look, I just can't do this. We, tr- we have a process uh, that is quite, quite intensive um, and we hope that we recognise all of these before the person gets the dog. Right, so okay. application form for to be interested. That is followed up by doctor's reports that we get back and the reports of people we've worked with them and the person's reasons for the dog. We do a phone conversation after that. Quite, quite We have a chat about what they want, what they've done, what they feel. Mm. Quite a few people realise at that time during the phone call that the mm. dog might not be for them. Right. The dog's then we do a home interview at which every member of the family has to be present. Right. And we can we think we can gauge how it's going to be successful or not right. um, by this stage. And then we start training. When we start working with the person, or well, the next stage is we identify specific tasks that the dog might help that person with in that home. And we spend another five weeks training the dog and getting the person prepared for the dog with books and literature and phone calls. Now, I believe the puppy stage mm-hmm. of the dog is spent with volunteers that would like to look after a puppy. Is that correct? That is correct. I don't know why they do them, but that's <laughs> <good>. <laughs> They have these little puppies that are just gorgeous, and then they turn into teenagers, and then they get just perfect, and they come back to us for training. So. <laughs> okay. I know, but I think, you know, people that adore dogs and would like to help with people with disabilities, it's a perfect sort of marriage, really. incredibly rewarding. Yeah. It's good for people who don't want to have a 10-year commitment. Yes. They get free training. We're there to help them, and we help them through all the problems that right. do arise. They are just dogs after all. Um, and dogs got full of energy and full of curiosity. Sure. And people who have lost an old dog and they just don't feel quite ready to have another one. Yes. Um, people who want to help the community. Yes. People who want to teach their children. Yeah. That you sometimes have to give up something for somebody else. Mm. Mm. A lot of reasons people do do it. Mm. And many people do it a second and third time. Fourth time, we have one person. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Yes. It's okay. something. Yeah, plus they'd be pretty special dogs, I'd imagine. We choose them very carefully. Yeah. And when people take on the dog, do they, um, I mean, you say dogs are very enthusiastic and keen and all the rest of it. If you say on your own with the dog, do you have to exercise it a certain amount, you know, bath it, all that sort of thing? I mean, normal care of a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's part. We teach them that in the first part of the course. Yeah, and we told about that beforehand. Um, They pay for the cost of the dog, the dog yeah. food. We will help them out with extreme circumstances or extra equipment. Right. Um, so people with disabilities don't have a problem washing a dog, for example? There's usually a way around that. Right. Um, a family member can do it as long as the person who has the dog directs the dog to hop into the bath or right. know, stand still and, and they feed them. Somebody else can physically wash the dog. Right. Um, some people get dog bath people and they give a discount because they've got a disability. Right. So, and part of the having the dog is that they must exercise the dog 30 minutes a day minimum mm-hmm. off lead. They have to have off lead. It's a very stressful job yes. and the dogs need a break. Yes, yes, so absolutely. 30 minutes free running a day. They're uh-huh. also taught that when they take the dog out for a walk or shopping, every 15 minutes they must stop uh-huh. and they must let the dog just be totally free and just have a break from concentrating. Right, so on a lead, but not... Um, or Are they on a lead? Yes, they're on a lead, yes. Yeah. Every time they go out, they've got little jackets yeah. on, and every time they're walking, they're on a lead. Right, so they have the same rights in shopping centres and things as guide dogs? Yes, they do. Right. But at the moment, in New South Wales, it comes under the Disability Act, but legislation is coming in. We've been part of the process, mm. and it's being tabled at the moment in Queensland. It should be law in Queensland by 
about this time next year. Right. And I think the rest of the states will be watching to see what happens. Yes. Already since then, I've thought of extra things I'd like to add to it. So it's all a learning process, and hopefully we'll get some really good ideas by the time it becomes legislation in New South Wales and Victoria and all the other states. Fantastic. Now, you're all volunteers, aren't you? Yes. This is not your day job. It's not my day job, no. As director of training, I charge a small fee for the training time, but that would be about 10% of my time. Yes. I don't charge for walking the dogs. I don't charge for PR events, anything like that. Right. Because it's yes. Yeah. But the rest of it is all volunteer. We don't get any help from the government. We're purely a charity. We're very, very careful of the funds that we raise. I bet Um, you are. (laughs) Every cent has to be used. We cannot waste a single cent. Yeah. Um, so we try to be very efficient. Our books are always open. We have auditors every year to make sure that it's all correct. Yes, I can imagine. But the service that you're giving is really more than a dog that does the tasks that you mentioned. Do you have a bit of a feel for, you know, whether these dogs psychologically help their owners? Yes. um, (laughs) Yes, we do. We get very involved with the whole person and their life, obviously. Mm. We have to stand back and let them do most of the stuff themselves, Mm. but... um, we go in and we know that there's going to be a difference, but we mm. just work with a person doing one task at a time and then we see them blossom. Mm. So generally speaking, it's a very positive response that you get. Yes, we've had, we do get training problems along the way, um, right. but we like to nip those in the bud. That's why we have frequent home visits. We might, we'll see the, what we call the precursors to a dog maybe closing down or becoming confused mm. and we step in there and we just show the person how to train the dog. You might have to go back a few training steps right. and work through it again. Right. So it never becomes a serious problem. Right. And in itself is just an ex- uh, just an opportunity for more learning. Yes. Right. Yes. And it's all fun and it's all mm. interesting. Yes. It's ah. hard work. Yes. Um, it takes, people say it's almost a vertical learning curve. Right. Um, but then uh, and nobody really, even this is with guide dogs as well, the people start to feel really confident with their dog after about 12 months. Right. It's not instant. Mm. It's not right. instant bond. The dog is doing its best for that person. The person is remembering all the training tasks. But they start to work as a team. And they actually get to a stage where they are more than a well-trained companion. Right. It's to a stage where the dogs are looking out for the person and they will initiate new tasks to help. Yes, so and they become an extension mind- of the person. Yes, it's mm. mind-blowing when it, and number one happens mm. with you as a trainer mm. and number two you hear of it happening with some other dogs. Mm. So you're sort of linking consciousnesses. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, I can it's imagine. It's ongoing relationship and mm. ongoing conversation, really. Mm. Mm. Well, I guess that's in- that interest that you're putting into the dog is being yes. reciprocated. Exactly, you have to say reciplicate myself, yes. Yeah. Yes, it's being reciplicated and in the end it just becomes like where does one stop and the other one start? Yes. Yes, and so then it's much more sort of automatic and you get used to the whole process. Yes. The whole concept. It's like driving a car. When yeah. first of all, if you're driving a manual car yes. you have to think of the gear changes and the clutches and the levers. Mm. After a while you don't do that. Mm. But the whole experience becomes well, I don't know, it's just more more to do with the relationship than the tasks. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And they offer support, and some of the dogs are just so giving. Yes. Lara, she's a healer. She doesn't just work with the person she's with now, Amanda, um, but she helps the rest of the family. Her husband had a sneezing fit, and she was very, very, very anxious about him, and she went and got Amanda to come and help him. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she watches over the children. She looks after the children in the family. She's oh, a nanny dog. Oh, I've always wanted one dog. of those. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and along the way, she she's prevented um, Amanda from having a sit of a seizure. Right, isn't that amazing? It's just amazing. Amanda is so much. I don't know. We don't know what it is. No one knows what's happened, but she hasn't had a seizure since she's had the dog. And oh, really? So she got the dog to as a seizure alert dog. Yes. And instead of that, her seizure pattern has been altered. Ceased totally. She was and what does her neurologist say about that? <laughs> the neurologists don't know what's happening. They don't know what to think. <laughs> right. Well, we've just got to get the numbers up and get the research happening, Diana. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, it's a lot to do, I think, with having Lara there. Just knowing that. Lara's oh, I'm sure you're right. <laughs> I always quote the the study where swimming with dolphins is an antidepressant. I think we found another one. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time and, and effort and thank you to all the people at Australian Support Dogs. So how can people contact Australian Support Dogs? We have phone numbers and a website. Terrific. The website is yes. www.asdog.org.au Terrific. And now the telephone number. And the telephone number is 99 right. 6986. Wonderful, and that's an O2, isn't it, if you're dialing from outside? sorry, yes, O2 for Sydney. And also, if you haven't got a pen and paper with you um, and you want to look up the website, you just go into Google and put as dog. Fantastic. Well, thank you to all of the team, because I'd imagine you've got quite a team behind you, and thank you to all the dogs as well. Every person is so important in the team. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to Wellbeing today. I'm Dr Virginia Reid and I've been speaking with Diana Cooper, the dog trainer, one of the dog trainers, from Australian Support Dogs Incorporated. From all of us here at Wellbeing, we wish you well.